Hi, Jay. Hey, Tyler. How you doing? I'm good, but uh, once again, I feel I sense a presence. One, I know. one it's I've been a while. not felt since. <laughs> here's Johnny. <laughs> uh, I really wish you would have said, "Here's Jimmy." <laughs> He'd be so much happier. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time. Uh, Jimmy hasn't... Bruce Dykstra is back. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while. Um, so our, our good friend Jimmy Bruce is back. He has traveled the world in the seven seas, and everybody's looking for pumpkins. So, uh, <laughs> I just saw one on, on Twitter yesterday. It's what's the best American rock band? Wow! Since the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> since the Beatles and the Stones uh, and Led Zeppelin are all non-American as uh, the sort of standard bearers. Yeah, that's hard because it's like Queen. No. Well, then of he, all of all time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that, it's Blink One Eighty Two. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so given his red, it's Blink-182. Apart from Blink-182, Sum 41 is from Canada. So this is a great question. Every example I'm going to, I'm like, oh, it could be. Nope, nope, they're not from here. I mean, yeah. maybe Aerosmith, but that feels wrong to say Aerosmith. Credence. I'm a big Credence fan. Is that a great band? Because they really just have variations on one song. Yeah, all of them were great. They all are great, but that's all the one song. It's well, rock yeah. and roll. But listen, it's we can't fight. find any other band, so at the moment they're at the top well, of the list. Well, so does like Aerosmith. I think Aerosmith might be above Credence. Okay. If we're and limiting, I know, I, I know that that's weird. Like I feel weird saying that, but I think as a yeah. like a steady rock band that has had a like has a chock full greatest hits album. Yeah. I, th- I mean, Aerosmith's got some great songs. Well, do we open it up to, like, how how charitable are we being with rock bands? I mean, can we go, like, Sly and the Family Stone? Like, no. Can we get into Funkadelic? Can we get into, does Jimi Hendrix, does the, the uh, experience? Jimi Hendrix counts. I think Jimi Hendrix Prince and the Revolution? Prince is, I mean, that's, yeah. I, is I he think a, Prince, Prince and Sly, Sly and the Family Stone is definitely more funk. Right. And R&B. Uh, Prince has some rock songs, but he's, I would say he's more kind of, funk rock r&b mm-hmm. um the answer is yeah. clearly bruce springsteen in the east street pants <laughs> <laughs> you set us up i did <laughs> i snuck it in I there gotta, i gotta go with aerosmith i love opinion <laughs> questions that have a correct answer like, yeah. what in your All... opinion yeah, the correct answer is yeah, my opinion's always the correct answer, clearly. You yeah. know, you know, so here here's a follow-up. What's what's your what's the best classic opinion question that has a correct answer? And I'll submit one. Uh, in in response to Jimmy's, what is the best Star Wars movie? Oh yeah. Empire. Empire. Yeah, of course. There's a correct yeah, answer yeah. to that. You may it may not be your favorite, but it's definitely the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is there another American Rockman? That was a good question. Dave I mean, Matthews. Like, Dave Matthews is Dave, a, is a contender, but not <laughs> really. It's a jam band. They're not a rock band, though. Well, that's like I. Uh, it, this is such an interesting question on so many levels because, like, one of the answers I reached for, and I think just because I've been watching so much of his live streams lately, is uh, Death Cab for Cutie. But rock and roll doesn't have the mass appeal. Like Aerosmith is your answer because they came up in a time when rock and roll was widely accepted by the populace, right? So if Aerosmith yeah. made a hit. Everybody knew Aerosmith's hit. If Death mm-hmm. Cab writes a really great song right now, it's so niche Well, they're indie rock, too, which is a different kind of thing. I think rock and roll, at its core, is for the masses. Like, yeah. I, I think one of the best ways to define it, which seems kind of cheap, but if they played it at an arena, would all the fans get hyped up? Foo Fighters and and yeah, yeah Foo, Foo Fighters. Fighters is a, is Foo Fighters might be. I mean, that's a strong contender. They're they're yeah. more recent, but that's a strong contender. Yeah. Uh, and and Bruce works for that because you play Born in the USA at a hockey game, people are going to go nuts. Yep. Uh, you play Atlantic City at a basketball game, <laughs> boy, the rally's coming. <laughs> I would if if they played Atlantic City at a at a basketball game, I would legitimately be the two greatest things of my entire life. <laughs> Everybody would just calmly sit down and think about how much of their life they had wasted. <laughs> like, oh no, blew up the chicken man who played last night. I would definitely think I was being punked. Like, there's no way that's happening unless someone's secretly recording my reaction. Oh man, and it's funny because it's not like sometimes they'll play. They may play like an Adele song or something to make fun of the other team. Mm-hmm. Like that, 
I, that, I love when arena musicians, arena DJs, will use songs to be hilarious. Um, Atlantic City is almost too serious to even be hilarious. It's such a sad song. I've been yep. Jimmy. <laughs> I've been Jay. And I've been Tyler. And this is Roughing the Faster. So, uh, guest Jimmy is back. Hello, guest Jimmy. Hello, hello. Do we have a count uh, on, on how many appearances this is for for Jimmy Bruce? Yeah, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, twenty ten movies, uh, sleight of hand. Yeah, I actually think, and then just the two. I was like, so was, this is number. So this six. is six. This is number six. Okay, so given take that, that uh, webmaster. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. We have uh, our, our list of questions that we always complain about how we haven't written them down. And then last week, Jay, the genius, realized we had written them down online. But I actually wrote them down. Yeah, yes. so do it real fast. Any, what's your Enneagram? Four. What's your Myers-Briggs? ENFP. Ooh. What's your Hogwarts house? Gryffindor. What concert will you travel back in time to see? Bruce Springsteen, uh, Passaic, New Jersey, 1978. What is your favorite superhero? Slight tweak on this one. Uh... Spider-Man. Oh. What is your banking pin number? (laughs) (laughs) What's your mother's maiden name? (laughs) Who was your your best friend in high school? (laughs) (laughs) What's the name of your first pet? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, Who's your favorite Beatle? Favorite Beatle? John, even though I know that's very much the wrong answer. That's not the wrong answer. It's just... it's, It's... it just tells a lot about who you are. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> uh, who's your favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Whew, of all time or currently? Yes. Oh, boy. Um, I think just people need to respect, put respect on Will Forte's name. Yes. What a legend. Forte. Will Forte is so freaking funny. Um, Forte, the master of the 1255 sketch. Yeah. Which is where they put all the ridiculous weird stuff that often gets cut from the show. Yeah. He did so many weird things. It there was, was one delightful. sketch where he and he and uh, Bill Hader were old men, old businessmen, and it was with uh, Josh Brolin, uh, and they're all old businessmen, and they just keep calling him a fart face. And they just keep <laughs> yes. yelling, he's like, you're a fart face! Yes. And then he, he starts crying, and, and that's the whole sketch. And it's like five minutes long. It's like, fart face, no fart one, face, fart face! No one's laughing. Like, it's no, dead silence. No, at all. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, what... Uh, What's your go-to character in Super Smash Bros? I forget. Whatever one, yeah, I don't know. I like to just hit up B like all the time, constantly. I just find that doesn't really matter what enjoyable. character you have. That's the move. Yeah, up B. I think I think up I B. think Star Fox has a good up up. Star B. Fox is a good one. Yeah, Star Fox has a has a has a gun. <laughs> that yes, helps. I also enjoy like that. Indiana Jones cheesing people. from the side. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite character? Go-to character in Mario Kart? It's also Donkey Kong. Yeah. Well, he's the best. Yep. Uh, band you inherited from your parents. <laughs> Does this have to be band I like reluctantly accepted from the parents or you enthusiastically? Because clearly, clearly I can think of one. I enthusiastically Bruce, but... and wholeheartedly accept Bruce Springsteen as my own. What's the one that you reluctantly accepted? Um, Jimmy Buffett. Okay. Cool. Are you still my, a Jimmy Buffett fan? My mom's a diehard uh, parrot head. Parrot head. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, definitely as a snooty teenager, I was very pretentious about, like, Jimmy Buffett. He stinks. He's not great. Uh, yeah. But we listened to him, uh, like, last week. You know, I was like, ah, not too bad. Yeah. Uh, enjoyable. It's chill, it's chill music, man. And it is, yeah. like, all nostalgia at this point, you know? It's pure yeah. childhood memory, so it, is it nice. hits you I at like, a good point. I like rounding that age where you get over being pretentious about things and just being like, you know what? I don't care. Jimmy Buffett's terrible, but I still like it. Yeah, like I'm, that. 
All my friends would tell me Jimmy's totally not pretentious about uh, opinions on movies or popular culture, so that's great. <laughs> I, I too love being there. Wait a minute. Were you named after Jimmy Buffett and Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> Unfortunately oh. not. <laughs> we've, we've uncracked the code. Your dad loved Bruce. Your mom loved Jimmy Buffett. I see a compromise in the Bruce. making. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Now you know my origin story. So, so what is your favorite? Uh, what is your favorite, or what was your favorite Bible story? What was my favorite Bible story? Or is? I've gotten to be a big fan of Jonah. It's just uh, I just think I've heard the most like good sermons on Jonah, like in the past Jonah. couple of years. People have really yeah. gotten into Jonah. Jay, what's your favorite? Comically. The uh, Second Kings story about when uh, Elisha is being mocked by the boys <laughs> and he calls down the power of two she, she bears she to bears. maul them. Uh, that's just creativity on a level that uh, I don't possess. Yeah, for those who aren't familiar with it, the, a bunch of kids call him Baldy, 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 and he asks God to have some she bears come out and kill them, and they do. 42 of them, to be very specific. <laughs> do we take that literally? Oh, I think we need to. <laughs> I mean, I do when I'm yelling at my youth group for calling me Baldy, uh, but Baldy, Baldy, Baldy. I always liked because there's such mystery to it, and it's it's such an interesting story. You can hold up, kind of like a prism, is the uh, woman caught in adultery, and Jesus just oh, yeah. writes stuff in the dust. Because um, yep. I more than, and I'll never get an answer to it this side of heaven. But what was he writing? Uh, every sermon I've heard on that story that kind of guesses at what it could be is at least on some level provocative of like, mm-hmm. he was writing down their sins. He was writing down other Bible for like, no one knows, but whatever it was, was enough to kind of turn these guys around. Didn't you hear there, there was N.T. Wright had put it in one of his books. There was scholarship about what they thought he wrote. Uh, they thought it was that, that S that Stussy S that everybody used to draw in their notebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was trying. Mystery solved. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Reverend so, Wright. Uh, that's Reverend Dr. Uh, my, Tyler. My, yeah. my, fa- my favorite uh, Bible story is uh, I, I love Jonah because it doesn't resolve. I love the stories that don't resolve. I love Job because it's really complicated. Um, and I love probably, I mean, my, my favorite gospel story is the Thomas story. Because we always read it exactly wrong, um, and <laughs> like we read it like, oh, don't be like Thomas. But the whole story is basically no, be like Thomas. He's the only one who actually believes Jesus is alive, and so he left to go find Jesus. Yeah, because that's what he does all the time. Every time you see John, uh, Thomas, he's always trying to follow Jesus, even if it's going to hurt him. And oh. he just wasn't there because he wasn't there. I'm a big Prodigal Son fan too. Oh yeah, that's one that like I think I read very easily as a kid, and then at some point like. You know, in the past five, I turned to adult and then I started hearing the sermons like way differently. Yeah. Well, and also that's another one that if you read the whole story, it's a different story. Yeah. If you read the end of it, like, because it doesn't resolve. It just ends with like, oh, well, what's going to happen? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's another son. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite sport and or team? Uh, my favorite sport is 1000% basketball. Is that different than regular basketball? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Space Jam where they're all, they're like a thousand percent bigger uh, and more cartoony than just the humans. <laughs> what is your fa- But here's the beauty of this. What's your favorite basketball team? I like watching basketball, the sport. Yeah. So you have a, you, a, I'm a, a true hardcore fan. favorite team or favorite sport, but not a favorite basketball team. But That's- you do have a favorite football team. And a favorite baseball team. Oh, yeah. The Cleveland Browns uh, are probably the most emotional attachment I have to any sports team currently. Boy, that's a bad emotion. (laughs) Bad team to pick to be emotionally involved with. I was genuine. I have never been more excited for football than I was last year. When Baker Mayfield? When, like, before the season started, where I was just like, this is it. It's all coming together. That's the best. That's always when things are the best for for Cleveland. I haven't had that feeling in many years. Ever in my entire life, I have not ever been like excited for football because I thought we would do well. So, and do you hate the Patriots because that should be the Browns? No, 
because no, that should be the Browns. My, my, I mean, like my my parents uh, who grew up with the Browns a little more than me definitely hate Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Yeah, because he was turning the Browns into that. Because right. the Patriots before Bill Belichick went there were the Browns right now. Yes, and he went. He was building that, and then he got fired, and two years later went to the Patriots and turned them into a dynasty. Yeah. No, I. I, I like the Patriots, uh, especially because like the entire city I live in really doesn't, and I just appreciate how good they are. And it's really funny to watch people like Tyler get really mad. Anyway, what is uh, and what's your favorite baseball team? The Yankees. Yeah, there you go, Jay. Uh, as far as what? I like baseball, I, I I like the Yankees, and and you know just to, um, I read this quote the other day on Facebook, and it's the most brilliant thing I've heard out of quarantine. If you need to feel normal. It is May 13th, and the Pirates have still not won a game yet this season. Uh, so <laughs> if Pittsburgh were interested in fielding a winning team, I might get interested in Pittsburgh's baseball team. But uh, Oh, they, they field a winning team every year if you count making money for the owners. They make tons of money. <laughs> They're like the most profitable team in baseball. I'm not so interested um, in that. You know? <laughs> well, well, that's why you're not an owner. Uh, <laughs> Among many <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, what's the last movie you watched? Last night I watched The Big Chill. Oh, had you seen it before? I had never seen it, which is always exciting. Was it any good? It was really good. Yeah. I loved it. Um, it's like, uh, it's a movie uh, you know, from 1983 that has uh, like seven or eight young adults, like probably around the age 30, coming back together after college for the first time. And it's seven extremely quirky actors like Jeff Goldblum and William Hurt. And but Kevin it's, like, Klein. it's like the most normal that Goldblum has ever played. He, yeah, but they're, they just all have slightly weird mannerisms, even when they're all playing normal. Like Glenn Close, too. Uh, it was really good, though. Uh, but if you like movies where young adults are like, what do we do? Our lives aren't what we thought they would be in college. And they talk for an hour and a half. Uh, it's a great movie. <laughs> so That's crazy to think about. So watching that movie now... All of those actors in that movie are closer in age to you, Jimmy, than they are to me. If they're 30, then yeah. 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 So they're all kind of talking about your Boy, that's experience. wild. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it took me like five <laughs> seconds to process, but holy smokes. <laughs> that's just concerning. Oh, no. You can see Atlantic City playing in, in yeah. your head. <laughs> I definitely, like. Uh, in my head, I was like, boy, I, I think I identify more with the St. Elmo's Fire kids than these guys, but now that you say that, St. Elmo's Fire is more Marie. Yeah, and it's I'm... all yeah, it's all a bunch of like twenty-three year olds. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. And Rob Lowe. Uh, <laughs> what's the farthest you've ever been from your house? I think California is farther from my house than the Dominican Republic, but I'd have to. Oh yeah. If I, I'm not quite sure on that. I but think it's one so. of the two. So you've not been to Europe. No. I, the only time I've ever been out of the country is to La República Dominicana. Really? Mm-hmm. You, what about Guatemala, though? <laughs> Good bit. <laughs> Great bit. This is my, my running bit just for me and Jimmy, where I constantly say that he went to Guatemala instead of the Dominican Republic. And it's only funny to me because of Jimmy's reaction every single time. <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? Um... I think to myself, I always wanted to be a rock star. That was definitely like the the dream. I don't know if I told other people. Like Maroon Five. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is that this? But that's not what you told people. Um, I mean, like I know when I I've been told that when I was like four years old, I said I wanted to be a pastor. Uh, Standard. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't do it, Jim. Don't do it, Dad. Did every PK at some point has been felt obligated to 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 uh, to say that? Yeah. Basketball player. Definitely wanted to play basketball. Yeah. All right. Last question. Last question in this big long uh, getting to know Jimmy again. <laughs> what is your favorite? What is your favorite smell? Uh, coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Nice. Well, now that we are almost a full episode, like <laughs> one of the, Jimmy. Uh, why have we not seen you in so long? Uh, I went on a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. Across and actually, the even the last the last time we saw you, you were. <laughs> heavy in the middle of the road, the road trip. trip. Yeah. I was in yeah. the throes. <laughs> so tell us about, and how long did this road trip last? Uh, it lasted two months exactly, which was fun to, to time that accidentally. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I had money. I got uh, some big bonus checks for my last place of work, and I that, a place of work that I was not enjoying. 
and I quit and I wanted to take some time myself and I, it was the goodest time as ever to do it. So I uh, drove across the country alone. Uh, it took six days to get out there. I stayed with uh, a f- family of the podcast, uh, Addie, Addie Domsky, her husband, Dan Giles. That was great. And stay with them. They lived in Sunnyvale, California. Lived in past tense. Currently still do. Yeah, currently. Uh, <laughs> Way back then. So I st- Despite Jimmy's best efforts, they're still there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was there for about a month, uh, all told. You were th- with them for a whole month? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. How was that? We, and then, then so you went I was, to Bradford's for a Yeah, hour. so I went there. I went to her, her their place for a week. And then I went up to the Bradfords in Seattle. Rob Bradford, guest of the podcast, did, uh, you, that was where we all accidentally ran into each other. And then after I was in <laughs> Seattle for a week, I went back down to good old Sunnyvale. I was there for three more weeks. Uh, and then I went down and stayed with a friend from high school who lived in Los Angeles. And I was there for a week. Uh, and then I started my drive back. And I, uh, on the way back, I hit uh, at a friend in Atlanta. Shout out to Nell. And then I went up to uh, North Carolina and stayed with uh, other people from Tyler's old youth group. I saw Luth and Mason in Asheville. And then I saw uh, the Mooresville crew, Curtis and Amanda and Colin and Morgan. So, how much of that was cycle. how much of that was planned before you left? Or was it like, I'm getting in the car, I'm driving, and let's see what happens? The three... Uh, long the three week long destinations uh were like i had told in advance i was coming uh not none of it was the time none of that was planned you know <laughs> how long uh or when exactly i would show up wasn't really ever planned until like a day or two in advance so so what did you do like especially the long the longer times in sunnyvale and in seattle like what did you do because that's longer than a visit. Mm-hmm. So there's a point at which you're now living with them. <laughs> like, so what What do you do? You hang out. <laughs> watch Penetrating movies. answer. That's great. That's good. <laughs> that, that's what I like to do. It's really, you know. <laughs> I, I find good food. I, I just find food to eat. And I go eat food. Um, I mean. So you, did you do a lot of alone Jimmy time during that? You have like a lot of alone stuff? time for sure. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially when you're there for like a week. I mean, it's just like it's people are working. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of time during the the mornings and like daytimes. You just sort of figuring it out. Because um, that definitely, I think that's the big thing is that when you're there for if you're there if you're with someone for like three or four days, like they will change their schedule to accommodate seeing you. Right. If you're there for two weeks, they're just like, "You're here, man. I'll just see. Like, I gotta live my life." That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, if it's a weekend, there it's going to be like, all right, my friend's visiting, let's let's do it. But when it's the week, you're just like, I got to go to work, have fun. Uh, Sunnyvale, you know, since I was there for like a month, you know, definitely a lot more like hang out at their house uh, during the, the mornings and sort of wait and see what we'll do. And like the evenings, um, L.A. and Seattle, since I was there for like only a week in each, was a lot more let me go find something to do. Yeah, like around the town. That's what I was gonna say. Like, how much of your time was spent like exploring cities, or like, I don't know, just driving yeah. around. I mean, every a good a good amount of time. I got, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm an extroverted person, and I like am comfortable just sort of talking to strangers or whatever up to, uh, up to a point. But you really have to get used to like I'm all of my restaurant experiences are basically alone or my like a bar or coffee shop or wherever you're going you're almost always alone um, and and then you came back to self-quarantine and social isolation yeah yeah <laughs> rough <laughs> rough um so yeah it was hard uh you know it was it's it's surreal and strange you know, I was happy to sort of, by the end, be pretty good at it. You know, like once I got to L.A., I was like, you know, five or six weeks in. And I was like, all right, I'm pretty good at just figuring it out for myself. But it is it is long. It's long days of just sort of, I mean, it's fun because you're seeing things you've never seen before, eating new things, um, experiencing, you know, whatever. It's nice weather 
all the time out there, so that made it easier. Um, but it's strange. I mean, it, the you know, but the point. I mean, you know, more or less the main point. I mean, I got to visit people uh, who I love and don't get to see very often and spend time like quality time with. Mm. And so like getting these, that was really the joy was getting to experience like a week with or longer with people I love. So in the midst, I mean, the, the point is to see, to spend that time with the people that you love, which you got to do. But as you're spending so much of that time by yourself, kind of the byproduct that you weren't necessarily anticipating, like how did that did, was there any any uh <laughs> it's all like existential processing the, yeah. dr- the drive out i think is the most for me when that happens yeah. um because you're driving west which is like something that's very romanticized you know in culture driving west towards the coast you know seeing new things um and that's definitely the time and it's like the first week of the trip so i'm like this is gonna be great you know i wouldn't i think i was prepared or like reasonable enough to assume that you know i'm gonna go west to find myself uh, isn't something that like does magically work but that was definitely on my mind and like a thing i was sort of hoping or thinking for like all right let's see what this does for me and uh changes how i gives me time to process things or think about things that i you wouldn't normally get to do when you're you know working in your day-to-day life Um, so with that as kind of at least a, a tertiary goal, if not like the primary or secondary goal, like the idea of finding yourself on the way back when you're taking, I mean, you're returning. Like, are you like, I, I didn't find myself or I found something that I'm not, I wasn't ready for, or I did it. Hooray. <laughs> now let's re-enter into. Yeah. The, uh, as the, as the trip went on, um, and as I started, there was a week where I, it was like the week before I went to LA, which, and I always planned LA being like the last stop, just uh, location wise, it made the most sense. Um, and as I was getting ready to go to LA, and then I knew that that would be the end of the trip and that I'd be going back, like the anxiety of, boy, I, I'm not a new person. I didn't find myself. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to magically change my personality. Um, and then on the and on the way back, yeah, I, I, I was, I don't really. I really struggled with anxiety for the last couple, uh, like two weeks of that. Um, just sort of preparing to come back and you're like, all right, you had your, your fun, you had your two months and now like time to go back and find a job and figure out your life. Uh, luckily or unluckily a a pandemic happened and here we are just (laughs) stuck in a house. Wait, what? Yeah. Not really (laughs) being able. Yeah. Cause you got back the day it started, right? Yeah, the, the, I got back March 11th, and I think that was the day before the NBA canceled. Yeah. Um, all that stuff, which is really when it kicked off. Because I got back, and, uh, you know, it was like, youth group, we still had youth group. And I was like, do you want to come to youth group? I was like, I, I guess so. That feels, it feels unsafe. Like, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> but also, I think it's fine. No one has said it's not. And within two oh, unsafe, days. Unsafe for pandemic stuff, not unsafe because, like, you don't know how a new Jimmy's <laughs> going to react in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a different person now, man. Yeah. As I was driving back across the country, it really started to be like San Francisco and Seattle are starting to see a rise in cases, and I'm like, oh boy. Well, that, yeah. I think that, I was I was staying in like Oklahoma City. And I was like, if tomorrow it says Oklahoma City has cases, I'm definitely <laughs> need to quarantine. My, like, I'm definitely just traveling it with it. I'm bringing it back <laughs> with me. Well, that's. I was thinking about that the other day because that was the trip we were in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And coronavirus mm-hmm. was a thing. Yep. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of look back on that now going like, wow, that was quaint. Cause we were kind of like, oh yeah, that's so for other people. Yeah. And now I yeah. do remember thinking a little bit, cause at that point it was just San Francisco and Seattle. And those <laughs> were the two places we had been <laughs> yeah. right. and thinking like, could we have gotten it there? Wouldn't that be weird if I get this weird thing that only is going to happen in these two cities? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like the the whole prospect of like finding yourself on a trip like this feels like a big a, a big task at the end of it. What did you learn on this trip? I think is is the <laughs> other is like kind of the gentler way into that question, right? I, don't know. I think I did learn. I don't know. You know, maybe I'm repeating myself. I think I did learn like the thing I value most in life is like quality time with mm-hmm. people I like can trust and love. Like, and I don't know 
how ingrained in me that was, but I, I think it's pretty ingrained now. Like this is, you know, I set out with that goal like in mind, and that really was like, okay, this is the time that like the time I will remember. Like I loved seeing the Golden Gate Bridge, and I, you know, and the Space Needle or whatever. But the time I will remember is like the time hanging out in like just their houses with the people, you know. Uh, like that, that's what will last me the longest. And I think trying to figure out, I think, uh, like, if this is what I value, how do I apply that to a, a job or a, or a life? You know, I think that's, that was where my processing went in a positive way. I was like, uh, yeah. I really, uh, I resonated. When you said you were doing this, it was something that I was so excited about. Um, and I think I told you that, right? Like how, how I was so happy that you were doing it. And, uh, because it's something that I had always wanted to do and something that I planned on doing after college, the summer in between, um, college and, and getting married, um, because we were getting married in August and I, I wanted to take a road trip cause I'd always wanted to take a road trip and had never done it. And I couldn't find anyone to go with me. And I really wanted to experience it with someone rather than just going on my own. Uh, because we didn't know people like it, there wasn't a destination other than just to see stuff. Right. And, uh, yeah, had I known someone in California, I could have driven out to California, but I didn't really know people at that point. And, um, and, and, it, and in a big way, I think we were talking about this before we started recording the, the song America by, um, Simon and Garfunkel, mm-hmm. like is exactly that. Like, it's basically this song about let's go to look for America. Basically, let's go find ourselves. Let's go on a journey and there and there's so many i mean the hero's journey in in kind of the the popular paradigm of every movie is that hero's journey that um uh like the hobbit is that star wars is that you, you kind of leave your home to discover yourself and to dis, to go on this adventure and um i i'd always kind of longed for that and to go do this kind of finding yourself adventure and it seemed, and we romanticize that, like you said, that you, especially going west to find yourself, like that, that's the American dream. Mm-hmm. And uh, to have gone through that, uh, and I, I think that you kind of very beautifully and succinctly kind of put that, like, there wasn't this big revelation other than it affirmed parts of you that weren't like new, but. To, to, to put some establishment behind that, to put some foundation on that. Yeah, it's like, it honestly, thinking about it afterwards or even coming back, you know, I felt this similar experience as like a mission trip. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the same, you know, it's the same thing where you're you're out there and I didn't have, you know, this uh, the exact same experience as mission trip, but I think it's often where people have you sort of the, the mission high or whatever where you're experiencing like, all right, well, now I'm a changed person. You know, I realized that, you know, building this wall uh, is good and helping people are nice. And then you're like, I will change who I am. And then you get back to the real world. And within a week, you're like, I can't believe I forgot all those cool things I learned in the mission <laughs> yeah. trip. Like, well, and that's, um, I think a piece of that is, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, you're saying the anxiety of when you were coming back and like on this trip, like not feeling like, oh gosh, I should have changed or been a different person or something. Like, like there is a, a mission trip high that happens. I find that if there's any lasting change that comes off a trip or an experience like that, it's usually a couple weeks after when I sit with it and go, Oh shoot, what happened? Um, so that, yeah, like to have it all figured out by the time you roll up back into your driveway at home is like, eh, probably not, you know, like, right. It's something you got to sit with a while. I, I think that the, the, the biblical story that always resonated with me, especially as I got older and kind of started reading the more, the deeper cuts of stuff, but the story of Moses, so when Moses, uh, during the Exodus, Moses would go up on the mountain to talk to God. And whenever Moses came down from the mountain, he would have a glowy face. Like his face was glowing from talking to God, and it freaked people out. And people were so terrified because he had been in the presence of God, and so he is like luminescent. But people didn't like it, and so he had to cover his face so that people could deal with it. And... That So we talk about mission trips in this mountaintop experience where you go up on the mountain and you experience these great things and then you come back and eventually that wears away. Because eventually the, the glow would wear off of Moses' face and he didn't have to wear the veil anymore. And, and that was the experience that many people had from something like the Wilmington Mission Conference or a youth camp or something like that is that you come back thinking 
yes, that's the person I want to be. And that's the relationship I want with God. And then you get back in your routines. You're like, oh, yeah, I mean, I want that, but it's really hard. And mm-hmm. it's just easier to do the same stuff. Um, and I think that that's, that's one of the hard things of like putting everything onto a trip of saying, I'm going to figure out who I am is that you're not taking anything on that trip that isn't already coming with you. Like everything you're going to find that trip, it's like packing luggage. Like everything about who you are is still there. It just sometimes like on mission trips and stuff like that, we, we peel away some of the routines. We peel away some of the, the ruts um, that help us to see kind of more clearly some of the things. Like mm-hmm. your revelation. You didn't discover like, oh, there's this new thing about myself that I didn't realize. It's just like, oh, when I pull away from the routines, here's the stuff that I really hang on to. Mm-hmm. Really, what a road trip does, it breaks your routine. Mm-hmm. What a mission trip does, it breaks your routine. Um, and the quarantine has broken our routine. And for many of us, now, the the hard thing about finding yourself is that it takes your whole life to find yourself. And, and we, we romanticize it into, I could go through this trip or this one experience. I could be uh, in detention for one Saturday and figure out exactly how my life works because <laughs> I'm in the breakfast club. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and everything, everything's going to be perfect. That's at totally the how it works for me. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it just never works. I mean, there, there are profound mountaintop experiences, but we always come back down from the mountain. And who we really are is when we start to, to take stock of those things that we learned on the mountain and to uh, use those as our... Um, kind of primary motivators and to remember what it's like on the mountain because we don't live up on the mountain but remembering what it was like when we were there let me let me ask dueling questions one kind of silly and one that sounds silly but like i legitimately mean it one are you tired of grumpy old men like me and tyler saying how jealous we are of your trip that we that we didn't take one because i feel like that's got to be the response of like everybody my age and up oh a hundred percent every like 40 year old white guy uh (laughs) matt has has said the same exact thing as Tyler. It's like, you know, like I'm just really jealous of you, and like <laughs> this is something I've always wanted. Especially East Coasters. I mean, you know, yeah. Like it's so that's been funny. Yeah, it's a very ta- classic like trope. But legitimately, having uh, gone into it with what you did and, and come out with what you did, would you recommend it? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't the the alone the loneliness of it is a should not be underestimated hmm. i guess i would say um did you say a loneliness i liked it i'm, t- I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, riding I, with it that, i just want to make sure that's a portmanteau <laughs> of alone and loneliness <laughs> i tried to say i i was going to say alone and then i was like loneliness is the right word there okay yeah. i also i wasn't just trying to pick on the word i was trying to figure out like were you lonely or alone or yes yeah 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 the a loneliness because sometimes being alone is okay, and other yes. times it's not. Yeah. 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 But I, I would, you know, I think it's an expectations game, too, about, like, I would be pretty surprised if someone in in 100% sincerity said, like, I am going to take a trip, and I will find myself and discover who I am and what I want to be. Like, I would, I would probably discourage that mindset just because i think that's it leaves you really set up for like disaster yeah, uh yeah. like personal disaster on the way back if if you don't find that i mean i think that's the same thing with like a summer service trip or like a, yeah. that's the experience is when people have like a pretty bad experience they're like well i didn't discover anything new about you know or i didn't it didn't change my life like well it was only two months you know yeah yeah it's really nice to like take time um i don't think i could do i could i couldn't have done it for sure actually without like the people, the destinations that I, uh, the people as destinations that I went to, yeah. you know, if it was just like, I'm going to go visit a bunch of stuff. Like, I think that would have driven me crazy after a while. I mean, you know, I don't know for introverts, extroverts, what the difference is there, but I, I do, I, I can't imagine after a certain amount of time, uh, the loneliness not working against you. Obviously there's a certain amount of privilege that comes with something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that your privilege is different than maybe some of these like senior trip abroad type things where that you had money because you worked at a job you hated for several years and didn't spend any money. Yeah. And, I, I, I was just saving money for the past like five years. Uh, yeah. and so it wasn't like your parents said, Hey, go take a trip to Europe. Like you were just like, I'm going to do this thing to go see my friends. And you had time off because you quit your job. Yeah. Like it's, I, you know, I had the privilege of being able to save money, which other people do not, you know, yeah. and I and like of taking time because I didn't have responsibilities. 
Um, that was also something you hear a lot, Jay, from people who are like, oh, man, that's great, but, you know, I can't leave other people uh, my, like, responsibilities, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, I was a single single guy with no kids and disposable income. Uh, I would not recommend, by the way, uh, spending most of your savings right before a quarantine hits where the job market plummets. Um, yeah, why did you do that? You're right. It seems like poor planning. <laughs> you should have done it like six months before the quarantine. Yeah. yeah, then I could have had a little more time to, to get a job before everything goes haywire. But yeah, you should have known about it. Return the crystal ball and get a new one. That was Yeah, so if, you, so if anyone's out there and saving money for a big trip, I would recommend uh, don't do it if a pandemic is coming right after, like the day after your trip. So you're, you have that time alone uh, and you got to kind of deal with yourself. Did, did, uh, what's that time alone? Like, where is God in that? Did you feel God on this trip? Did you, did, did you have, you have time to process kind of like life and finding yourself? Is there any kind of spiritual awakening or, or spiritual questioning or just like, there's a lot of time that you got to deal with stuff on a drive like that when you're by yourself. Even if you're listening to podcasts or books or music or things, like you're still, in the end, you're with yourself. And so some of the weird questions start coming out. It was definitely the the driving, like there and back. Um, it's definitely when I start when I was experiencing, like when I was getting spiritual and like thinking and considering and, and feeling God's presence. Um, you know, it, it, it was a lot harder in the lone times of, like in a hotel room or in like, you know, in a restaurant alone, like I was more like distracted by what was going on around me. But as you're like listening to music and driving and just, it's just all sky and like grass around you, you know, I think similar to other things, I didn't quite have like a spiritual awakening of any sort. Um, Would have been nice. Uh, (laughs) But like, you know, there was no, no big, great, like, Holy smokes. Now I uh, will think about God 24-7 because I saw a sunset in Montana. Uh, but seeing the sunset of Montana is definitely like a... Uh, evokes emotions in me of like awe and wonder. And which there, which uh, I think in the moment you credit to God and like a spirit inside of me. And so driving out and then driving back. The driving back thing... Uh, was interesting because you're as you're driving east like it gets dark in front of you before it gets dark behind you yeah so like every night i felt like i was driving more into like the dark like the blackness because you look in your rearview mirror and it's still orange it's that beautiful sunset on the other side of orange and blue and purple and like it looks great but straight in front of you it's like it's it's black the sky is the sky is dark navy blue and you're like it's a weird thing because you're like, wow, I am driving back towards like anxiety and, and, and real life and upsetness. And that's also a time to be like, okay, well, like this is when I need, <laughs> this is when I need comforting. And like, I don't like to think of God as I need this, please come and help. Uh, but like, it's kind of hard to not think of it in that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, like, well, okay, I can think of this. It's crazy when you can hit the pace too, where the sunset lasts for a really long time. Yeah. I had that, I think it was on the flight to Palestine where we, we we hit a pace where the sun set for like three hours. Yeah. Um, and it could just, especially in a plane, you can really hit that. But it is that sense of you're, dry, you're, you're moving away from life and moving into the darkness. Yeah. Which is existentially weird. It was spooky. It was really yeah. spooky. Yeah. I mean, I'm in like, I'm driving through like Oklahoma and it's like a weird... It's a weird visual, you know. I mean, the, on the on the way out. Also, I drove, you know, in January, February, March, and so I really noticed this on the way out because I was a little more like in middle central to north of the country, um, like driving through Nebraska. Uh, like, like everything is dead. Like there's no, yeah. there's no crops or anything, you know, growing because it's January and it's cold. Yeah. Uh, so that was sort of a weird like. Uh, every time you, the visual of driving west is always teeming with life um, and driving through where like there's not really enough snow on the ground to be like look how dope all the snow is yeah you're just looking at death <laughs> the midwest is such a great time when it's sunny because you get t- like big sky 
or when there's crops because you get like a field of green or when there's a lot of snow. But when it's just dead ground and overcast sky, mm-hmm. it is the most depressing because it's that for seven hours. Yeah. Like huh. it, it's just it's just nothing. Multiple days like that for sure. Yeah. Which is a weird thing. It's like, boy, this isn't uplifting you know, let me listen to, let me, let me pretend I'm running like Forrest Gump across the country. Like yeah. this is, this is brutal. I don't know. If you listen to the national that whole time, though, that would make sense. A lot of Bob Dylan on the trip. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. I don't know. You went all in then on the yeah kind of life journey America stuff. Uh, the most basic music you could think of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the war on drugs is great driving music to name a modern day yeah. rock band. Yeah, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. I think um, I really uh, had similar experiences where there have been a couple trips, especially the trip to the Holy Land to Israel Palestine. Like I was really thinking, like this is going to be it. I'm going to like feel it, and uh, like and I'm going to connect with God in a way that I never have, and I'm going to understand God in, in a way that I didn't. And yes, there was some of that, but it was more, like you said, just in the moment realizing I've come to really appreciate presence like kind of being aware of the presence of God or the presence of something bigger, like that, that awe in the moment of not just like, this is beautiful, but just like, there's something going on here that is bigger. And to me, when I was in, in Israel, it was not ever at a religious site because they were all so filled with tourists and gaudy stuff. It was always like Mm -hmm. in the middle of an olive field, like we were planting trees and, or there was one time where we were sitting um, on the porch of, of um, this Palestinian home where this guy played in Oud, which is like that Palestinian, the Middle Eastern guitar with the bent neck. It kind of looks like a lute. Uh, and just playing music, and it was too dark to see anything. And mm-hmm. we were just like drinking beer, and this guy was playing the Oud. And then these Palestinian guys started singing songs in uh, Arabic, and it was beautiful. And I had no idea what was going on, but it was just like there's a resonance of like there's something bigger that connects us all here. And, and th- another time we had a really hard day and we were driving back from having seen some really rough stuff. And our, uh, our friend who was driving us is Palestinian, um, just plugs his phone in and starts playing fast car by Tracy Chapman. <laughs> and like without asking anybody, without just saying it. And it was just the best song in that moment. To, it just kind of ca- encapsulated this experience that we did, none of us knew how to process. Uh, we had seen people shooting at kids. We'd seen like all this destruction and this really bad stuff. And he just plays it. And we had uh, w- one of the guys in our group was from Scotland. One of the guys was, uh, um, I mean, and then the rest of us were from all over the U.S. And mm-hmm. playing fast car, this Palestinian guy playing this song from the mid-90s, this American song from the mid-90s. And then just slowly everyone in the car just started singing the song. And, it, and it's a song that has nothing to do with what we were talking about. But it just sure. became this anthemic moment of that to me was the the most I felt God in that in that whole trip was singing fast car it, on the on the ro- Palestinian roads between uh, Ikrit and uh, and Jerusalem and, or Bethlehem and I was not ready for that and it was not any and it wasn't this big revelation like it didn't make me like now I understand God better. Did you Dunkirk cry? Uh, I know, but I happy. I don't know if I cried, but I, I, it, because I, it was like one of those things where everything we'd seen in the day was so heavy. I didn't even have a mo I was shell shocked. Yeah. And then, uh, fast car, I needed an emotion to put on stuff and fast car gave me an emotion, which was joy. And so I don't even know that there was sadness, but it was just joy in that, that, that brought us out. And because it was just such an overwhelming experience, like we're not going to fix this. Yeah. Like that's the. Uh, and I can tell people about it, and it's not going to fix it. And so I just needed to feel something, in that. and Fast Car brought it. That's a great way to put it, that you needed, like, something. You needed something to evoke an emotion that you could focus your emotions on. Yeah. That's not yeah. too derivative. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, denial or avoidance. I mean, it wasn't, like, right. oh, I'll just pretend that I didn't have it. Like, it was, this is, it's good to know in the midst of this world that now seems so broken and so terrible that there is still art like Fast Car that can make a whole car full of people sing. It's just like in Almost Famous when the entire band hates each other yes. and then they sing Tiny Dancer. And It was you know, it was disturbingly like All like the band's problems yeah. aren't solved, but they all like can still enjoy Tiny Dancer. Yeah, and it was like that. I mean, it was really, 
It was. I've had a couple moments in my life that have been very cheesily like movie scenes where yeah. it's like you couldn't write it this seems if i saw this in a movie it would seem forced and that was one of those situations where it was exactly like that scene in almost famous with tiny dancer where no one had any emotion no one had energy energy to process we couldn't talk about it we could even our our our, our friend who drove us there who knew what we were going to see and this is what he sees every day he didn't try to be like see like he didn't try to process it to us he knew like the best mm-hmm. thing like you're just gonna have to kind of find a box in your in your emotional uh uh wheelhouse to put that in and you don't have that box so you're just gonna have to like put it on the table be like i don't know what this is or where to put it and and the best that he did to process it with was that he put on music and he could have put on anything he was playing all kinds of music like he'd play middle eastern music and then he'd play drake and then he'd play uh Aerosmith and then Fast Car. Like it was, so you never knew what he was going to play. And that was exactly the song to play. And he also didn't, he wasn't like, this is the one. He wasn't like scrolling through and be like, I just got picked it. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That can be, uh, the, you know, my, this, uh, I would, this conversation could be discouraging uh, to people and like, oh, I have to, you know, I have to have an experience. I have to get out of my comfort zone to go find you know, to be overwhelmed by God or emotion in a moment. But I, I really think the goal should be encouragement because like all these experiences aren't, we didn't, it's not the, the time that you would expect, you know, it wasn't when you were having the, like, look at this dark, like terrible things happening that you were like, yeah. this is my big life-changing God moment. Like, and my, like, it wasn't when I arrived and saw the the, the ocean you know, the Pacific Ocean, or when I saw the Golden Gate Bridge, it was like, look at me, I'm here. Like, it's in the smaller moments, um, and you can find those in your... It's it's encouraging to think of it this way, to be like, you can find that in your day-to-day life, uh, like smaller moments to take time and, and, and think about it when, instead of being like, I have to go find a big two-month road trip or, or, or you know, overseas trip to find it. Yeah. It's the it's this the stillness. I mean, it's that mm-hmm. the Elijah story where Elijah goes up the mountain to tell God he doesn't want to be a prophet anymore, and God, there's this big earthquake, and then there's this big fire, and then there's lightning, and then uh, and God's not in any of those, and then God's and then there's silence, and God's in the silence, and even I think the encouraging thing to like you said, it's in that stillness, and we are right now. There's so much kind of stillness to a degree that we're mm-hmm. kind of stuck having to especially if you're not with anybody right now if you're stuck kind of quarantining alone there's a lot of time where you are kind of stuck with you but i I, there is something about um being present in the stillness which is which is hard for us because in the stillness it's just us and we don't um when you're when you're just alone with yourself most of the the vacations that we take and the journeys we take are to try to get away from that and to discover something different than that I think there's some beauty in some of this sense of discovery is that like, like you did, like you discovered at the end of this, the big revelation is, oh, I like being with people. And I knew that before, but I really like being with people. And that's really helpful. And some of finding yourself is learning to see that, that God gave us what we need. We just need to be able to, to realize what those gifts are, what those values are, and then find a way that, I mean, it's a vocation thing. Like you said, kind of now that you're in this new place where you're looking for a job, um, you have a, a clearer sense of what you value and a clearer sense of, of where you thrive. And yeah. if you can find a vocation that, that hits that, you're better prepared to, to thrive all the time. Yeah. And that's something I did not magically come to one day. I mean, it's been, I have heard that in like, therapy like it took time in therapy to like process that and then it took time and you know of me taking time to process it you know like it's you know it's not something and it wasn't a revelation that I had during the trip that like it was a light bulb going off it was you know a a water bottle slowly being filled until like oh I got to the point where it all made sense Uh, question for Twitter. I, I I would wonder if you could go see anyone. Because I think I'm struck by 
the the thing that hit you most was the people, not so much the places, um, but it was the people. If you could travel right now, this is a prime question for quarantine. If you could travel right now to see anyone, who would it be and why? Uh, and and what does that connection mean to you? Let us know, and we'll we'll carry on the conversation. That warms my heart. Yeah, I do genuinely like that question. Yeah, it's a, oh, it's a great question. It, it, yeah, because I, I I did as much fun as I had visiting places like. And people kept on asking me, like, what site, what, you know, what sightseeing are you doing? Or, like, what cool things are you going to see? I was like, I mean, I'll see some things, but I'm much more excited for spending time with, like, someone who lives in Seattle that I don't get to see very often. Or people that live in, you know, San Francisco that I, you know, barely get to see once a year and might not get to see once a year, you know, ever again uh, without this trip, so... You, I really wish for both of us, because we were both in the San Francisco area, that we had gone to Alcatraz. Because it's it's closing this fall, and it's never going to open again. Oh, really? And it's also probably never going to open again with the quarantine. like they, Because it's well, the, yeah. the, the structure is deteriorating. Deteriorating? That's the word I struggle with the most to say. What's the word you struggle with the most to say? Do you know what it is? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, uh, Alcatraz is falling apart, and I guess it's no longer safe to have people doing tours on it. And so they were, as of this fall, they were going to, um, they're shutting it down to the public. And so I think in the quarantine, it's now, you can't go in there. Wow. So we, we both missed our shot. That's wild. Who knew? Yeah. Now we well, now I, all we have is The Rock. <laughs> Great movie. Uh, it is, it is. Yeah, it's totally fun. Now, I will say, I went, so I went, my trip, the other thing, I went to five basketball games. Whoa. Throughout this trip. Yeah, I went to, uh, for the three people that care and don't actually already know this about me, went to a game in Portland, a game in Sacramento, a game in San Francisco, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I went to the Los Angeles Lakers game, Staples Center. It was amazing. And then a game in Phoenix. Um, I love the NBA. Like, those were, like, I, I really love those. Going alone, I think, for four out of five of those is a surreal experience. Yeah. Um, but like the, in Sacramento were the friendliest around me. And uh, so that was like, I had the most fun, even though like the Sacramento Kings were probably my least cared about team on the trip. But like the people they around me. A, they played a team though, right? It wasn't just a yeah, against the Kings. They played um, someone, Grizzly. They played the Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies. So did you, in each of those games, did you just root for the home team? Yeah. Okay. It was just more fun. And you're alone. You don't want to be beat up. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that, yeah, you just sort of, it's just fun to be in a crowd, especially looking back, really fun to be in a crowd and be in a part of something where a bunch of people are experiencing it together at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's wild to think about like, boy, I might have, I went to five basketball games, might be the last basketball games I could go to for like years. Yeah. Like it could be... Yeah, not to get off topic. Uh, It could be years before, like, sporting events or concerts happen. That's so weird. We have no concept of of how long it's going to take for us to get back, if ever. It it really seems like... we were. Yeah, it really seems like without a vaccine, why would we have a concert or, like... Yeah. Or, like, a sporting event where we all go. So, the the quarantine started for us. Adrian and I were at the door... That's right. ...of a concert, of a Caroline Rose concert. We were super excited about it. We walked up, and the guys came out, and they said, we just canceled this concert. And we got there, like, early. And the band was in there. And we, like, I wanted to chat with the band, but they were just a wreck, so we didn't get to talk to them. But, like, that was when it was like, oh, this is real. Like, and... Yeah. I think that was the week after I got back. Like, it was was all just, yeah, just a couple of those couple of days. What uh, I I think I mentioned this a couple of times, but I really want to. This is a good time to actually lean into it. One of the biggest helps for me during the quarantine has been the game NBA 2K20. It really? It's just wonderful. Oh, it's so good. Have you ever Have you ever played it? Yeah. Are you being sarcastic? No, I'm not being sarcastic at all. I love it. I love it so much. I play it every day. Like I oh. like I've played I've played every NBA 2K game for like <laughs> seven. I had not. Or eight I had years. Not, yeah, I had not played it. I do. Uh, I, I haven't what played do you play it on? Because they're expensive. The Switch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so great. I made my own team. We're the Pittsburgh Time Travelers. We were the yep. Pittsburgh Pipers, but then it wouldn't let me give a name because they said it was explicit. But no, that's the old ABA team. 
And then I tried to be the Pittsburgh Condors, which was the other ABA team. It's like, no, it's explicit. I was like, no. Yeah, that's it's right. Not. I remember. I think I did the Condors, tried to admit the Condors <laughs> once, and it said that. I was like, what? Yeah. I think it's just if there's probably a copyright on it, and they, they won't let that's you do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh had an ABA team that was the Pipers the first year, and they won the, the whole thing. The ABA was like the uh, uh, upstart against the NBA. And. Uh, and then they became the Condors, and it yeah. only lasted three years. But like the 76ers were the ABA. There were a bunch of ABA teams. I think Milwaukee Bucks were that. Too. Yeah. And the Spurs. Yeah. There's many. But the Pipers didn't make it, so Pittsburgh's never had a basketball team. No. But yeah, I love it. I made a team just of me. Like I, I put me on it. Yep. And uh, then all the best players. <laughs> and so like it's. It, uh, Do you have yourself? Uh, like as a 99 overall, like you made all of your stats. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. I didn't at first. I just, <laughs> but I, I'm not a 99 on everything. I'm just really good at shooting threes because that's all I want to do on the game. Of course, yeah. But yeah, my starting five is me, um, and I'm the size that I am. <laughs> like, it's, it, and at first I had me at 40, but then it's like you're going to retire next year, so I, no, I changed my age down. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but incredible. it's incredible. It's me and Jordan, but I think I go with 96 Jordan, starting Jordan. And then on the bench, I've got <laughs> 91 Jordan. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's me, LeBron, Will Chamberlain, um, and uh, Tim Duncan, my starting five. This is the most ridiculous conversation <laughs> yeah. that will never make the pot. I mean, this yeah, is... Yeah, we'll see. Some of the, it will be in there. The, yeah, the end there. music will play, and there will be 20 minutes left <laughs> of the podcast, and it'll just be us. People will be listening like... Are they just going to talk about 2K for 20? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm Jay. I've been Tyler. I've been Jimmy. And this has been Rubbing, Rubbing the, the Pastor. Pastor. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>